0: let's pray father god will you open our hearts and our minds to your word will you teach us will you show us things and lord holy spirit you know that i am good if there is something in the sermon or even just a scripture that comes up and you cause someone to focus on that i'm good because you are the lord you are the one who guides us and anoints us you are amazing thank you for loving us and now lord take us into your word in jesus name amen In Judges chapter 14, 5 through 6, it says, So Samson went down to Timnah with his father and mother and came to the vineyards of Timnah. Now to his surprise, a young lion came roaring against him. And the Spirit of the Lord came mightily upon him, and he tore the lion apart as one would have torn apart a young goat. I don't know what, that, what it's like to tire apart a young goat, but that's okay. It's in the scriptures. Though he had nothing in his hand, but he did not tell his father or his mother what he had done. And so I want to go right into verse 5 about that he's headed down into the vineyards of Timnah. And here we get the situation, a confrontation with a lion. And so as he's traveling, this lion came roaring against him. And we've seen pictures, if you grew up in Sunday school or read, you know, children's Bibles, you've seen pictures where he's, like, wrestling with a lion, you know, he's got it in a headlock, saying, you know, cry out to uncle, something like that, but he's going to take down this lion. And I have to say, lions are something else. There's a zoo I went to one time, and for the lion enclosure, there was a glass wall, and the lions could walk around, so you could just see them, and at one point, there was a large lion near the wall, and I thought... If there wasn't glass here right now, I'm like an hors d'oeuvre. I mean, it's either going to eat me, kill me, do something to me, but, uh, you know, I don't think it's going to be peaceful with me. But these things are amazing. It's amazing to see how big they are. And when it comes to lion strength, according to a website, a lion, a male lion, can lift 2,300 pounds. A paw swipe or a punch from a lion delivers 400 pounds of of strength and can kill a human or a cow with a hit to the head or neck. So when you read stories like Samson coming up against a lion or a lion jumping out and roaring against him and and confronting him, you know, it's not like, if it was me, that would have been a really short verse, and Tom died. It... (laughs) And the Lord raised up Jonathan next, you know. <laughs> Jonathan's going, I don't want the job, God. <laughs> but so when you read these kind of passages and you realize what God is doing, what, he's, what is going on in this situation and why God allows these situations to happen. You see, this situation is up because it's going to be the first confrontation or the first demonstration of Samson's strength. But as we know, it's not Samson's strength. As I was showing you last week, I don't believe that Samson was a bodybuilder. I actually believe he was an average guy, average person like us, whom God empowered through a Nazarite vow. Source of the strength is his hair. But we need to see him in these demonstrations where we see God's power demonstrated. And so we get right into verse 6, which says, And the Spirit of the Lord came mightily upon him, and he tore the lion apart as one would have torn apart a young goat though he had nothing in his hand but he did not tell his father or his mother what he did. So it's very important that it says he had nothing in his hand. He doesn't have a knife he doesn't have, the jawbone's not around yet, you know, can't have a jawbone fight with a lion yet. None of these things are here. He's just using literally his hands to tear this lion apart. That tells you this is, well one, the scripture tells you it's the Lord's strength. The Spirit of God came mightily upon Samson. And this will happen three times with Samson it's the lion, then he's going to take on the 30 and take their clothing, and then it's going to be the jawbone fight. These are the three situations. Now, maybe I'm missing one. If you find one, tell me. But these are the three situations I could find where the Spirit of the Lord came mightily upon Samson. And moved with him. One of the things I find interesting in, this, in reading this, in these three events, is that Samson never asked God to do it. He didn't see the lion and go, oh, dear Lord God, help me. Just the Spirit of the Lord came mightily upon him right at that moment. I've heard some say that the Holy Spirit can only move if we ask him to move. I don't see that verse in Scripture. I've heard these type of things. Or that the Holy Spirit is a gentleman and never violates a person's free will. I've read, you know, that's the reason why we have to take in the full counsel of Scripture. You really need to study it from Genesis to Revelation. I think if you went and had a talk with Nebuchadnezzar, (laughs) if you remember what he says, when, when God restores his sanity, when he says, God does whatever he wants to do amongst kingdoms and nations and kings and everybody else, and no one can stop him. Yes, God, when he's being polite, might say, let's have a conversation. But there's a whole lot that God does without ever asking our permission. When did God fill John the Baptist? With His Spirit, when did He baptize John the Baptist with His Holy Spirit? Anybody remember? In the womb, John can't say. There's no section where it says. And then John knelt down in his mother's womb. Oh dear God, if you're going to use me, I'd really like to have Your Holy Spirit. The Spirit of God didn't. He didn't. There's no section where it says that. And the Holy Spirit stopped and talked to his mom. Said, "Do you mind if I anoint your son in the womb?" I do have to wonder, though, and the passage doesn't get into it. Was it kind of a different day that day for her when her son gets anointed with the Holy Spirit inside the womb? Don't know. Passage doesn't tell us. that important for us to know, right? But the Spirit of God moved. The Spirit of God anointed him. I, it's an incredible passage. to Go back and look over and over. I'm telling you, go read that passage and go, what did you do, Holy Spirit? Why was it important to anoint him in the womb? Why couldn't you anoint him? Like Jesus, Jesus gets filled with the Holy Spirit or anointed with the Spirit at his baptism. That's a whole other discussion. won't go into it right now. So there are times when the Spirit of God moves and it's fitting to the law and those type of things. But with John the Baptist, the Spirit of God just moves. So I'm just telling you, yes, there are times when the Spirit of God may ask your permission. He'll enter into a conversation with you. But there are other times the Spirit of God does what he wants to do. The first time I ever experienced the gifts of the Spirit was not because I was at a conference and thought, wow, I wish the Spirit would move with me like that. I was on a short-term mission trip. I've been on a number of them. In fact, actually, Olivia, last week when we had to sing I Love You, Lord, that song always takes me right back to Honduras. I was on a trip with my uncle, and he led us all in see we're out on this open air terrace beautiful sunset and we and first time I ever sang that song so every time that i sing that song i go right back how many of you have songs that take you right back to a place and and to a moment there's many of those well another trip i'm on i'm helping lead five high schoolers i wasn't the leader of the trip i was i think i was in college or in seminary and we go to a town and we worship with this church so we, this church it's a small church. in fact, actually their sanctuary probably would fit right here and it was benches, probably the size, not even the full stage here. 50 people came together. they had a house, a small house and we all sat on benches shoulder to shoulder and worship, get done with the service and a woman needs prayer. I won't, I'll tell you the full story sometime maybe when I'm teaching. but nonetheless she needs prayer. I'm able to get the pastor I'm traveling with and our interpreter. Uh, John Bueno, and we get into a room with this woman. Uh, There was another guy traveling with his name, uh, Abram. And then I think it was her pastor was in there also, and she needs deliverance. And so the pastor I'm traveling with is praying through the interpreter and leading her through deliverance. And as I'm sitting there, just praying along with him, you know, this is all new to me, just praying. And I start to smell marijuana. And I'm thinking, who in the world? Now, I never used marijuana. I never used drugs. Look, I went to Giants games growing up, Candlestick Park, and my brother and I would sit in the bleacher seats. Everything happened in the bleacher seats, okay? That's where I got exposed. I, I, I was at bleacher seats one time. I went, what's that? My brother goes, oh, that's marijuana. He didn't use it either. But so that's how I knew. But I'm sitting there going, who, who comes into a church and smokes marijuana? I'm thinking, this is weird. So, you know, hands folded and everything. I thought, i got to see what's going on. I know I'm not supposed to look while I'm praying, right? It, I was, the Bible never says don't look when you're praying. Uh, it, you know, it also doesn't say bow your head and fold your hands. We teach that in Sunday school so people aren't playing with each other while we're praying. But, well, it's true. <laughs> Otherwise, you got to do ca- crowd control during a prayer. Wait a minute. This is a charismatic church. Maybe there has No. Anyway, so... So I start peeking, and I'm like, well, the windows are shut. And then I look for the, the door shut, and nobody in the room is just sitting there, like what I've ever seen on TV. They're not smoking marijuana. I thought, that is so weird. So we get done with this ministry time, and I go out to Bill Leffler, the past, pastor on staff of my uncle's church. I go, Bill, I got to tell you something. It's just really weird. But while you were leading this woman through deliverance, I smelled marijuana. And he goes, yeah, I smelled it too. And we turn to John Bueno, and Bill goes, John, did you smell it? He goes, no, I did not smell it. I've been around it. There was no marijuana in the room. And I'm thinking, that's weird. And then Bill looks at me, he goes, oh, I know what it is. And the ministry time has over, he said, it's a word of knowledge. You were smelling this because the Lord was letting you smell it, and he said, oh, okay, I've got to go talk to the pastor, this woman, and say, either this woman's using drugs or someone in her family is and It's opening a door for the demonic to get involved, and so I'll do that. Blew me away to hear that answer. I'm not the type of person, I don't cry a lot. Well, I am getting older, so sentimental scenes in movies are starting to get me. How many guys are going through that one, right? When I was younger, though, I was like tough as nails. Anyway, so I wind up back at the hotel It's one of the few times I've actually cried. I sat on these stairs and said, God, what did you do? And began to just cry. Because I'd never experienced anything like that before in my life. Here's the thing. The Holy Spirit did not ask me, do you want to experience the gifts of the Spirit? Do you want me to tell you something? Because I'll tell you if you ask me. No, he let me experience this and then I had to find out what happened. How many of you have been through that one where you have an experience in the spirit and you're going, what was that? And you don't even know what it is. And then later you find out and you go, oh, that's what that was. Because you learn from the scriptures or from other Christians who are a little bit ahead of you in the program what that is. So likewise, I'm just telling you right now, the Spirit of God does not always ask our permission. Many times he moves, and I'm just trying to keep up with him. He's amazing like that. In fact, Jesus said in John 3, 5 through 8, Very truly I tell you, no one can enter the kingdom of God unless they are born of water and the Spirit. The flesh gives birth to flesh, but the Spirit gives birth to Spirit. You should not be surprised at my saying, you must be born again. The wind blows wherever it pleases. You hear its sound, but you cannot tell where it comes from or where it is going. So it is with everyone born of the Spirit. It doesn't mean that we all just float around. It has to do with the Spirit of God saving people. What Jesus is teaching us there is the Spirit births us spiritually. Theologically, we call it regeneration. In the Reform camp, which this church is, we believe regeneration happens before you are saved. The Holy Spirit begins to get involved with you, begins to breathe life into you, breathes his life-giving air into your spiritual lungs, starts to put faith inside of you, and then begins to teach you who Jesus is, and there comes a day when you go, I believe. It's not the reverse where you figure it all out, and then you get yourself saved. The Spirit of God is the one who's been doing this inside of you and breathing life into you. He breathed life into you. He put faith in you. He led you to Jesus, and he saved you because no one is smart enough to save themselves. Like I tell people, the other day I went in for an IQ test. It came out negative. So I'm working on it. Doctors, you know, they aren't sure what to do with me. No, it's, but spiritually, it's true. When it comes to interacting with the living God, my IQ is really low with him. He's omniscient. He knows everything. Sometimes I'll preach on it. But when I think of the passage in Isaiah where God says, come, let us reason together. I'm like, are you kidding? You're going to have to tell me everything I have to know to even have a conversation with you. You know, one of my favorite comments by Mike Bickle he said, people have asked me, he said, do you, do you know all the answers? He goes, do I know all the answers? I don't know all the answers. I don't even know all the questions. In some of my recent prayer times, I've been alone with the Lord and said, God. Seriously, this has happened about five times now. God, what do you want me to ask you? What do you want? I mean, is there something you want to teach me? If there is, tell me what to ask you. Tell me, give me some question that I can search out. Because I love to search the scriptures. I love to search out the things of God. But God, just fill me in. Tell me. Isn't that what the scriptures are? It's God's revelation. We wouldn't know actually a whole lot other than if we didn't have the word. Yes, Romans says you can go outside, you can look at a sunset, you can look at the ocean, go, wow, this is design. There must be a God. That's all it gets you to when you look at nature. It doesn't save you, it just gets you to the point of saying there's a living God. It's all been designed. The scriptures then is God's revelation for salvation. It's not just, it has world history in it, but that's not the point. The point is, it's salvific history. It teaches us everything we need to know to have a relationship with the living God. And by the way, I believe it leaves a whole lot out that we'll find out when we're standing before the throne. (laughs) And we'll go, oh, now I get it, right? God is so awesome. But I'm serious, brothers and sisters, one of the things for me is when I read the scriptures, I ask very often, why why i read the law why i read something jesus said why why is this Uh, you know there's a bumper sticker that says question authority well with god don't question his authority so don't question god but ask god questions there's a difference by the way if you cross the line you start questioning god in scripture it says it goes really poorly (laughs) get ready for the discipline lessons at that point but I'm telling you, ask God questions. It's okay. And if you're just sitting there in the scriptures, go, just tell me what to ask you. I won't beat that up anymore. It's just fantastic. So another observation, though, I have with Samson and the Spirit. Besides that the Spirit moved mightily upon him to fight this lion, and Samson never asked for it, is that it happened three times. Why? This is when I started asking the question about the pastor. Why wasn't it just once? Why isn't it at the very beginning of Samson's life, it says that the Spirit came mightily upon him, and then all this time of being a judge. But instead, three times, the Spirit came mightily upon him. We can have the same sort of thought that, I just need to be filled with the Spirit once. Once is enough. You know, we think of Pentecost. So on the day of Pentecost, when the church starts... The Spirit of God falls upon the church, right? As he creates the church. They, they're baptized in the Spirit. Wonderful things start happening, including tongues. All these type of things start happening. Uh, they have to answer a lot of questions. And sometimes it can feel like, well, that's it. And then, the, and then the Spirit fell, and then it's been the church ever since. But if you go into Acts chapter 4, verses 29 through 31, if you want to turn there. I'm going to read this passage. It's, this one has always caught my attention. I'm going to get you mid-prayer. The apostles are praying. Remember, they've been a little bit of persecutions going on. And they're praying. So mid-prayer, verse 29. Now, Lord, look on their threats and grant to your servants that with all boldness they may speak your word. By stretching out your hand to heal, that signs and wonders may be done through the name of your holy servant, Jesus. And when they had prayed, the place they were, in, they were assembled together was shaken, and they were all filled with the Holy Spirit. They spoke the word of God with boldness. Why? Spirit of God moved, right? But why are they filled with the Spirit again? The apostles were there on the day of Pentecost. Because I believe that there are continual times of anointing. There's times when the Lord says, I'm going to give you a new anointing. There's a t- you will all have times when God may call you into ministries. You're going to go, I can't do that ministry. I'm not prepared. And he's going to say, let me anoint you for this. Because to be truthful with you, there are days I get up to preach, I feel totally inadequate to get up and preach. Like, God, why, why are you using me? If you've ever felt inadequate, then why don't you say, Holy Spirit, are you willing to anoint me again? I heard a a preacher one time say, we're all broken vessels, we leak. If you're feeling low in the spirit, ask him for a new anointing. If you're feeling like, Lord, we haven't seen you move amongst us for quite a while. I mean, really move. Remember, the problem's never God's. Lord, will you anoint us again? Holy Spirit, will you anoint KPC? Not to go backwards, Lord. Not to go to a past anointing. Lord, what do you want to do tomorrow? Because we want you to anoint us, Holy Spirit. We want you to anoint us in the name of Jesus, just like the apostles prayed. We want boldness. We want you to anoint us for healing and signs and wonders, Lord. We want to see these things happen. We're requesting it from you. So, Lord, would you move? Will you anoint us again? Will you fall upon us again? But in application, I'll tell you this in my heart. Anointing is tied to unity in Christ. Psalm 133 says this. Behold how good and how pleasant it is for the brothers and sisters to dwell together in unity. It is like the precious oil upon the head running down on the beard. The beard of Aaron running down on the edge of his garments. It is like the dew of Hermon descending upon the mountains of Zion. For there the Lord commanded the blessing, life forevermore. I love it. How good and pleasant unity of the brothers and the sisters. Do you know that this is called a psalm of ascent? There are about 15 psalms of ascent. What they were used for is is when there was a festival in Jerusalem or they were coming to worship in the temple, they had to say these psalms or sing them on their way in. Also, on entering the temple, climbing the stairs, you had to say these psalms of ascent. You were coming close to God. This is one of those. Could you imagine if God gave us an assignment and said, every single Sunday... You are coming to this house to worship. You will say, you will read, and eventually you will sing Psalm 133 to me. Behold how good and pleasant it is for the brothers and sisters to dwell together in unity. Could you imagine that? Think of your mindset by the time you enter the building. I want to be with the brothers and the sisters. I want to see the sisters and the brothers in unity. Think about how it would break your heart if anyone in this house is not in unity together, if there was any kind of a dissatisfaction or a break in the relationship, our hearts, I believe, would begin to break, and we'd say, oh, God, heal that break. It's actually one of the seven things that God detests is someone who brings division amongst brothers and sisters. It's that important to God. I memorized the seven. I, this is pretty. If he's going to have seven things he detests, I better know what they are. And try not to do them. That goes with it. But this dwelling together, why do I say anointing is a tie to it? Because what is the picture next is the oil pouring down. So you think about Moses' brother Aaron, the first high priest, right, of Israel. And think about the anointing oil pouring down over. It's coming down over his head, over his beard, dripping down. It's going down his garment. As, and you just picture him in, in the tabernacle. And, then it, and think about it, if he was in the temple and this oil, that, what is oil? It is the presence of the Spirit, right? It is the anointing of the Holy Spirit. That's the picture of it. So when the brothers and sisters dwell together in unity, this this anointing begins to fall, and it begins to just picture Aaron up here with, with the gowns on and the ephod on his chest representing the 12 tribes, and this oil is just pouring all over him, and it's coming down upon him. This anointing is falling upon him. How did it get there? When the brothers and the sisters dwell together in unity. Then it gets into the dew of Hermon. What's that? That's blessing. That dew of Hermon is blessing. So if we want to see the anointing of God, I mean on a a big scale. I realize that God moves with each of us. There's times he does ministry. But I'm talking about when God's anointing falls on the house. And we begin, my hope is that there will come a time when literally people will give testimonies saying, I entered into the sanctuary and I was healed. That God moved. That is my hope. That is my hope that God will move with signs and wonders. That people will come and give testimonies about signs and wonders that God has been doing. That there's blessing and anointing falling on the house. If you want to see the anointing, this is what you're going to take away today. If you want to see the anointing of the Holy Spirit... His blessing in this church, what must we do? Dwell together in unity. How does that happen? Humility and kindness in the Spirit. You must decide right now, I will be humble with my brothers and sisters. I am the least of the brothers and sisters entering into this house. Treat others more important as yourselves. Come together saying, this is what I want. There must be a kindness. If you've ever felt like, I need to go to church and I need to go tell that person what's wrong with them, maybe just stop, get on your knees and repent. Say, God, I will not enter your house like that. I'm not saying don't come to church. It's just like communion. If you have sin in your heart, you know what God wants you to do? He wants you to take communion, but first you better repent. and Say, God, I'm sorry. I repent. I want the communion. It doesn't mean get up and leave. It means repent. Humility and kindness. Think about the fruit of the Spirit. Do you know when the Spirit's present? His fruit begins to flow. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, gentleness, faithfulness, self-control. Do you hear all those? I listen to those and I hear this kindness that comes out of the Holy Spirit. It's one of the ways you know if someone's actually prophetic. Jesus said, how do you know a false prophet? You know them by their fruit. Well. Related to that fruit, too. If the Holy Spirit's really dwelling in them, there should be such a kindness and such a love and such a faithfulness inside of them that you feel drawn to Jesus, not pushed away. I'll end it here. If you want the anointing of the Spirit, there must be humble unity and kindness in the house. I'm not preaching this because you don't. It was just strong on my heart to bring this to you today. And by the way, probably not a bad thing. Next Sunday, I'll do it too. Before you enter this building, read Psalm 133. The Psalm of Ascent, 133. It's short. Just get it on your phone. If you have a Bible app, get it. If you have your paper bot read it. Open it up. Before, before you get out of your car, before you enter this building, Psalm 133. Because if you're going to ascend to come and worship God, you, it helps you know the rules. To be in his presence. And there's things that he wants. I'll repeat it last time and then I'm going to pray. If you want the anointing of the Holy Spirit here, the brothers and the sisters, the sisters and the brothers must dwell together in unity. Pray with me. Father God. We know that patience and love and kindness and self-control are fruit of you, Holy Spirit. They actually come from you. Will you anoint us with those things first, Holy Spirit? Before we ask for power, we want your fruit. Lord, as a pastor of this church, it is my hope that one day when people get around Kempsville Presbyterian Church, One of the first things they'll say is, boy, I felt a difference around those people. Because they're going to feel your presence, Holy Spirit. And then they're going to experience a kindness and a humility. And they're going to, they love each other. There's a true love in that church. Lord God, let it be so. Fill our hearts, Holy Spirit. Do this work in us, please. That is our request. In Jesus' name, amen.